0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Fake news or is it disinformation? I, 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 I don't know what we call what any anymore. But President Biden I should say the White House put out a tweet When President Biden took office Millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available In the last 15 months The economy has created 8.3 million jobs And the unemployment rate stands at 3.6% The fastest decline in unemployment To start a president's term ever recorded That's an actual tweet from the White House Every single bit of that is disinformation. Every single bit of it, every sector of it is disinformation. It starts with a lie. It ends with a lie. In between are a whole bunch of lies. So the question before us is when will Nina Jankowitz who runs the disinformation governance board, when will she step in and say this simply isn't going to do? She's the one who wants to edit Twitter. Oh, no, seriously. She actually wants uh, to be able to have uh, select fact checkers add context to tweets so that way people understand what they mean. That's not a belief in free speech. That's a belief in your speech. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of what it is we're doing right over here. Let's break down where the lies are. The lies are in a, a whole host of places. Let's start with when Biden took office, millions were unemployed, and there were no vaccines available or was no vaccine available first the vaccine was available the vaccine was available when biden took office It was available in december it took a while to ramp up distribution i'll agree with that and i don't think biden screwed up distribution he just took the the trump plan and did it but the vaccine exists because trump said here's the money go to work Operation Warp Speed worked. Don't care what you think about the vaccine. Don't care if you took it or not. Doesn't matter to me at all. What matters is that Trump did it. Trump said, go to work. And the private sector really uh, did it. Trump knew that the private sector could do it and said, oh, you need the dollars and then we can just get out of the way. Boom, bop, done so this is a lie from joe biden from word go go on defend him 833 got tony i dare you to defend joe biden i dare you come on tough guys 833-468-8669 joe biden is what he is you're a phony hey this guy's a great big phony part two in the last 15 months, the economy has created 8.3 million jobs. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. The economy hasn't created any jobs. It's a lie. Just like saying that there was a, 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 a vaccine. No, no vaccine. Uh, as has been reported by CNN, their fact checker, more than 3 million Americans were fully vaccinated. And more than 18 million had at least one dose by Biden's inauguration day. And Biden himself was fully vaccinated. It's clearly false. It's clearly false that when you say that in the last 15 months, the economy has created 8.3 million jobs, people going back to, I mean, I, I feel awful, guys, because it's, it's, a, it's a freaking recording, man. We've already been through this garbage, but we got to do it again because sometimes some people miss it and, and, they're, and they're new to the show. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Boo Bear? I'm Tony. I'm here to hold you. You know, I'm going to hold you close. You know, maybe a little snuggy snug, right? Get a little, mm-hmm. it all feels nice and good. Uh, you, you don't create jobs when people go back to work to the jobs that you said they couldn't go to because you locked them down and locked them out of their jobs. You said people couldn't go to work. They didn't go to work. Now they go back to their job. You can't be like, you see, we created that job. Um that that, that that's, that's not how it works. What How it works is, is when you create jobs by getting out of the way, by creating a regulatory environment that allows jobs to grow, and giving them certainty so they have no problem investing their capital to create that growth, that creates jobs. Letting people go back to work does not create jobs. This is a lie. The unemployment rate it's at 3.6%, well, that's where the unemployment rate is, but... That unemployment rate is low because of labor force participation and people who are engaged in other parts of the economy, gig economy, etc. What I'm telling you is, is that this isn't the unemployment rate in, in, in terms of when you take a look at where other people are, people who drop out of looking for a job lowers the unemployment rate. That's always been the problem. The fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term ever recorded. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Can you imagine Trump putting this out? Could you imagine that Trump tweet? Hello. Hey there, Donald Trump. He'd be vilified, ripped apart, destroyed destroyed there's no reason that he shouldn't just be wrecked for this that the administration shouldn't be wrecked for this but the question is why do they say it why do they do it and they do it because lying to you is part of the job lying to you is what it's all about he's proud to lie The administration knows they have nothing going for themselves. They know that they can't actually sell what it is that they're selling. Nobody's interested. No one is interested. There is not a person out there outside of the uh, true believers, right? There there are true believers in the world. I'm not going to say no but nobody who has watched what has gone on for the last year and a half says you know what now I'm a Biden guy but i can point you to many people and so can you anecdotally who could look at the last year and a half and be like you know what i should have voted for trump it's it's not even a question it's not a question So, when you're the Biden administration, you got to figure out a way to work around this. You got problems. You got PR problems. You got issues. So, what do you do? Well, you push a narrative in the hopes that eventually it will connect. You push the narrative with the hope that eventually somehow you'll break through. These are the same exact people who want to explain to you that there is the hashtag Putin Price Hike. Putin Price Hike? What? You you think that's going to connect with the American people? And, of course, it doesn't, and we we know that it doesn't. Yet they don't stop. Why is that? They have... Nothing else to offer. What is it that the progressive left pushes? They push ultra MAGA.
1: Uh, on a different topic um, of ultra-MAGA. Now, you saw Representative Lee Stefanik saying, I'm ultra-MAGA and I'm proud of it. Former Trump super PAC uh, blasted out a T-shirt of him as an ultra-MAGA Superman. Um, He, on his own Twitter alternative platform, released a meme of him as the ultra-MAGA king. I guess I'm curious what the administration makes of Republicans and the former president sort of co-opting this and, and elevating what President Biden clearly intended as a pejorative well i think if that means that uh, the individuals you mentioned are embracing their opposition to a woman's right to make choices about her own health care if they're embracing a plan that will late raise taxes on uh, 75 million americans if they're embracing the importance of fighting mickey mouse over virtually any other issue i guess that's their platform good for them we're happy to have a debate about that go ahead
0: no you're not you are not happy to have a debate about that at all Jen you're getting your ass kicked which you will know a lot more about when you go to MSNBC and in the ratings you get your ass kicked I tell you right now if I were to start a weekend show and had the 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 marketing budget not the pro the platform the marketing budget that they had for her show because she I, I think she's doing a weekend show right I'd have more. I would have more. More viewers. Guaranteed. 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 Just need the marketing budget. So, uh, send the checks right now to producer Ari. Uh, and no, no, make them out to me. Just send them to producer Ari, so he can bring me the checks. Damn That's it! I'm job. glad you prefaced that because I would have robbed you blind. I know. I know who you are. I keep an eye on you at all times. You know what? Even for your faults, we we keep you around. <laughs> Thanks, man. You think if they're if they're embracing fighting Mickey Mouse? But do you you know and I know we all know that this isn't the story, but this is all they've got. I share with you this tweet from the White House, which I'm surprised Ron Klain hasn't already retweeted, uh, because it shows a weakness. It shows a lack of connection and understanding. You want a lack of connection and understanding? Son of a bitch. Listen, this is nuts. This is nuts. Bette Midler, uh, actress, singer, who has a really fascinating backstory in how she built a career in, in New York bathhouses. It's true. The Divine Miss M. I mean, it's really incredible what it is that that Bette Midler did to to create a career for herself. It's it's surreal crazy. Something that you could respect. Uh, Her, uh, not so much. So she's taking a look at this uh, um, uh, baby formula shortage. And uh, it's, it's, she's got there a tweet from Stephanie Rule over there at MSNBC. The baby formula shortage reveals an amazing secret oligopoly. Three American companies control over 90% of the market. Hugely restrictive regulations, thanks to big money lobbying, prohibit foreign formulas. Name another industry sector or product like this. We were having this conversation. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there uh, that we might actually find agreement with, with conservatives and liberals on, on some basic concepts of, of the problems of overregulation. So, so that's what Stephanie Rule uh, tweets out. Bette Midler tweets out. Remember, massive shortage in baby formula across the country, and she tweets out, "Try breastfeeding. It's free and available on demand." You know how disconnected from reality you have to be to say that a vicious mother, isn't he? You literally have to be the White House tweeting out that no vaccine existed when you took when you took office so lost, confused, detached from reality the issue of course, and the reason uh some use formula is that some have medicines that they take they don't want to pass on to their child. Thus, uh, breastfeeding's out. Some have serious, what they refer to as latching issues. Some people, some women, women, don't produce enough milk. There's a host of reasons why people don't breastfeed or make, cause, uh, including the idea of can't to be so flipped to be so glib, to be so disconnected from the world. What's it like to decide every day when you wake up, I've got the answer because I said it. So it must be the answer. And look how well my life worked for me. It's, it's the same exact theory, right? Or, or may, maybe, maybe what the Biden administration is doing is actually much more proactive. When Bitt Midler tweets out something ignorant, when anybody tweets out something ignorant, it's because uh, they, they think that the world exists only through their two eyes, and, and why should they pay attention to anybody else or care about anybody else? When the Biden administration does it, it's because they want you to see the world through their two eyes. So, no, what the Biden administration does is worse because Bette Mittler is just a a myopic, egomaniacal jerk. Uh, Over at the Biden administration, they've got some egomaniacal jerks. But they hate you, so they lie to you. They hate you, so they try to warp reality. They hate you, so they try to manipulate and gaslight. And these people think they can win any level of re-election? I mean... I guess everything's possible, but not if everybody opened their eyes. I'm Tony Counts. I will admit that I have not spent much time looking at some of these. Big primaries, whether it was the Ohio primary and J.D. Vance, what's going on in Pennsylvania with, with Dr. Mehmet Oz and uh, some of the things there. And, and, and this woman is a Kathy Barnett and like, who is she? And she won't really answer questions about her history. It's crazy. Um, and one of them, of course, is Georgia, where you have Brian Kemp, the incumbent governor. And he's running in a primary against David Perdue, the former senator, who lost. I think he's the one who lost to Raphael Warnock, or did he lose to John Ossoff? Either way, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It is what it is. So uh, they're running in a primary. David Perdue is backed by Donald Trump. Trump loves Perdue. Real American. Knows that the election was stolen and, you know, attacking a... Attacking uh, Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensberger, And I'm not saying that all the attacks are unwarranted. Not, not in the slightest. So, okay. Trump has made his decision. He's made an endorsement. Enter Mike Pence, who is going to headline a get out the vote rally with Brian Kemp on May 24th, the eve of the primary. Actually, on, on the 23rd. So the primary is on the 24th. Well, all right. Well, now, now we got ourselves something. Now it's Trump v. Pence. Does a Pence endorsement mean anything? That's the question. I mean, that's a. I I think that's a seriously good question right there. Oh, I love this. Now you ask me, is Mike Pence running for president? Well, I'm sure in his head he is. Is Mike Pence going to win a primary? N- no! No! Can't win a general either. I like the man. I respect the man. I would tell him this directly. I think he's an important part of the party. I do. Traitor, stop it. Don't be ridiculous. But what happens if Kemp gets the nomination? Huh. This is Tony Katz today. It's like one of those things that time gets away from you and you you forget where things are at. And you're like, dear Lord, qualifying is today for the Grand Prix. It's tomorrow, people. The GMR Grand Prix is happening. Right here, we're just a couple weeks away from the Indianapolis 500, presented by Gainbridge. Doug Bowles joins us right now, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, We'll get into how ticket sales are going for the 500. But this weekend is sometimes a bit of a a lost weekend in the excitement of May and in the excitement of the Indy 500. Uh, What is the plan for today for for qualifying? What's the plan for tomorrow, especially with that rain in the forecast? And what do we think attendance is going to be?
1: Well, I, you know, you're right with the Indy 500 cast a pretty big shadow. So, um, you know, sometimes this event does get lost, although I'll tell you that it's in a much better spot than when it was just an open practice day that didn't really mean anything. So, uh, I think the attendance is going to be great. The weather will impact us a little bit, depending on the walk up. but the good news about uh, the GMR Grand Prix is, uh, we were going to run in the rain. Now, if there's lightning, obviously we won't, but these guys get to run in the rain. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. We got cars on track already this morning and IndyCar will be on here shortly for a couple practice sessions and then qualifying later this afternoon.
0: So, when when we talk about today, how does the day run? What there you can still head out there, you can get your tickets and go. Um what what how does the day progress?
1: Yeah, so so right now, the, some of the feeder series cars, the AAA baseball of IndyCar if you will, are out running right now, so there's there'll be three different of those series. Uh, and then you've got the Indy cars, Indy cars running. You actually have our first uh, Indy Lights race today, so you get a chance to see the Indy Lights guys, and that's one step below IndyCar. Um, and then, like I said, two, two one-hour practice sessions for IndyCar and then the qualifying later this afternoon. But it's basically an entire day of on track. The good news about today, you can just come up to the gate and grab a ticket. It's a 20 bucks for a GA ticket, and anybody 15 and under is free. So I encourage people to just pack the kids in the car and come on out.
0: So that's today. Now, tomorrow tomorrow is, is is race day tomorrow is, is the grand prix uh gates open at seven thirty. there are a couple races uh be before this um but the it, it starts at like a little bit after three thirty uh in, in the afternoon so there's a whole day of activities going on um who, who's running in this how how are things looking for it
1: everything's so everything's great so the indy car so the 26 or 27 cars that'll run the GMR Grand Prix are the, the drivers that you'll, you'll see running in the Indy 500. So it's just running in road course configuration. The cars look a little different because they've got bigger wings and some other things that create better downforce for the road course. They run the opposite direction. So it's an interesting way to see Indy cars uh, that we don't normally see here in Indiana. If you've been around for a long time, you just think of them as going in the on the oval. But the road course is what most venues see the Indy cars doing uh, when they're around the country. So that's That's what happens Green Flag about 3.45. The race is usually under two hours, so we get people in and out pretty quickly. That's the nice thing about this event. You can show up here in the middle of the afternoon and be home in time for dinner.
0: Talking to Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, You have been on record saying that uh, ticket sales for the Indy 500, uh, they have been, um, uh, we'll use the word brisk, uh, that yep. people have been interested, that tickets have been selling. Uh, define it. What what does brisk mean to you? Uh, tell me about a pace. Are we looking at sellout? Yes or no?
1: So the answer, uh, looking at
0: sellout, is is
1: I won't say yes or no. I'll say likely not. Um, we are within ten percent of having all of our reserve seats gone, and I think over the next few uh, the next two weeks, it's going to be really really close on that end. The the GA sales, which we did in in uh, in 2016, we sold out our reserve seating like May 1st, right around May 1st, and then everything we sold from there on was, was GA. So so we won't get to that level in GA. We'll be really close on the reserve seats, I think, for the 500. But you're going to be touching that 340 to 350,000 people, I think, will actually be on property for the Indy 500. So those folks that were here last year when we had 135,000 in the grandstand thought it was full. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be an electric Indianapolis 500. More people than we've had in the last 25 years, except for the hundredth running.
0: Yeah, do you, do you see it as an issue that uh, n- no, no bumping? It's it's 33 uh, drivers this time. Is there a reason that we didn't see uh, more? I, I don't want to use the word interest because I don't know if interest is the right word uh, in, in this. But we don't have more drivers in this race. Is this an economics uh, conversation or something else? It's it's it's. Not really economics. It's a combination
1: of uh, engine supply, um, because Chevy and Honda are two suppliers, so they'll supply, you know, they're okay getting the 35, 36-ish in, in that number, but then it becomes, you know, what cars are available, and more importantly, what what personnel is available to safely put those cars on track. So it became a uh, that really became the factor, is trying to find, just like everybody right now in the workforce, trying to find qualified people who would actually run Indy 500s and had a team put together, to make it work. And you're right. You know, at the end of last year when we knew we were going to have 26-plus full-time cars in the NTT IndyCar Series, we thought, well, if we're at that for full-time, we're easy going to be at 36 or 37. And and it just, as things got closer, it didn't get there. The good news is we got to 33, because I'll tell you, I think it's more than just a number. I know some people don't, but I think 33 is really important. And then the excitement, really, I think, for qualifying is going to be who's going to be in that fast 12 on Saturday that have an opportunity to shoot, shoot for the pole on Sunday.
0: Right. So it, it change this year that you take the fast 12 and then you're going to break that into like a six and six kind of thing. And then they're going to shoot it out. So it's creating some drama about who's going to end up on the pole, who's going to end up in those in those first rows. How has that been taken? People excited by this?
1: Yeah, I think so. I know. I know the drivers are because in the past, it's the last several years, it's been the fast nine. So the first three rows. So going to the fast, tw- the fast 12, if you qualify your first run on Saturday and say you're 17th, 18th, you might have previously said, you know what, I don't think I can get to ninth. But if you're 17, 18th, you might say, you know what, we can get to 12. So I think you'll see a lot of people uh, taking additional runs on Saturday to try and get in that top 12. So I think that'll be fun, and, and uh, you know, I think that'll create a little bit of the drama. that, that you won't, the, the one thing you won't have is if you end up 13th, you're not as disappointed as if you end up 34. So you're not going to have that huge emotional drama that the last row sometimes presents.
0: So before I let you go, people forget that your job is not IndyCar. Your job is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, the changes that have come under, uh, Roger Penske, uh, and the, 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 uh, additions the the investment uh, that's come uh, don't talk to me about so much what we're going to see uh to this weekend and then of course uh, a race day weekend but talk to me about what the future is of the track and how it plays as a as a player in central indiana for other events other opportunities and uh races going forward
1: yeah well so, so the big thing for us and, and for roger really we're excited about having a having a race without any restrictions obviously we had restrictions that we had to manage through last year and so getting Roger his first Indy 500 with with as many people as want to be here is a big deal for, for all of us. And then we can really start thinking about some of the things that he talked about when he first bought the Speedway in the fall of 2019 about how do we really make this a, a larger entertainment venue? How do we do things? Um, you know, how do we look at all of our property? How do we invest in it in a way that, that benefits the west side of the west side of Indianapolis. So I think you'll see a lot of those things uh, uh, unroll as we get through this Indy this Indy 500, but we're as busy on track this year as we've ever been in terms of track days. So we go right into a big BMW event after the Indy 500, we got our vintage race, we got a Porsche race for our challenge the Brickyard IndyCar weekend. It just kind of goes on and on. So we're busier than we've ever been thanks to Roger.
0: Britney Spears is naked on Instagram. Again, I think. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Why, why is she naked on Instagram? I mean, she, I guess she's a, a little covered up. She's got hands placement and some some uh, sticker placement, I guess, is what you would call it. Why is the question? And the answer is, I don't know. And people are concerned and they're worried uh, 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 about her mental health. Um, I'm less worried about her mental health. I'm not saying I'm an expert at all. Uh, but it, when you have fought through this conservatorship like she has, we're talking about the singer, Britney Spears, who uh, went a little nutty and then lost basically her freedom and the courts kept it from her from, for way too long. And her father kept it from her and she had to fight and fight and then the stories came out and how bad she was treated in the press and things you didn't know and now she has her freedom. And now she's posing naked on Instagram you're like, ha, see, we told you. Nerds. She's cool. Maybe, but she has the right to be. America's still America. You have the right to be crazy. I don't know if she is, though. Um... She may just be like, you know what? I'm free to do what I want, and this is what I'm going to do. Now, you could say it's childish. Somebody uh, wrote a comment. uh, There are are so many other ways to exhibit your freedom, so many other ways to display your feminine power. This isn't it. Well, I I think said differently is um, you you, you don't have to slut it up. You know, sometimes more is more. And when you, uh, and, and, and this is true, right? Women who dress uh, provocatively, uh, we, we can say. There are women who look much better wearing much more than women who wear much less. And everybody, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Right? There's, I, I'm going to say something, Producer Ari, that's going to make you uncomfortable. I'm already and uncomfortable. I feel so good about it. Um, lingerie is hot. Now, you could argue that lingerie is just in the way. But is there any question that lingerie is hot? Allow me to be clear. The garter is the greatest invention of all time. Can I get a little something? Can I get a little? Just me? Fine. You know what? I'm happy to go this one alone. Standing O for the garter. It's hot. More is more. In many cases, not less is more. So is she, is she crazy? Is this proof she's crazy? I don't know. Is it her just, you know, unleashing? I don't know what it's like to be under conservative conservatorship, and uh, and not have uh, a level of freedom for x number of years. But I, uh, I'm I'm not going to lose sleep over it. She's an adult who has to live her life the way she sees fit. I hope she has friends. I hope that she uh, can keep herself on, on a level of straight and narrow. I don't follow her on Instagram. The only way I knew about the story is I think it was in the New York Post. Meanwhile, the Indianapolis Colts producer, Ari. What a transition. Your team. You're like the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers sucks. Those words. Bart Starr was a wimp. These words were never spoken by me, nor anyone. Right? That's, that's what you said. Brett Favre, he looks great in a garter. That's I, what you said. I hate Brett Favre. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, the Colts schedule is out. Yeah, uh, for the Wisconsin boy. Uh, And I I must say, first, I think the schedule is very tough. And I think the travel of the schedule is absolutely awful for the Colts. But that they get two Monday night games, a Sunday night game, and a Thursday night game, that's a lot of prime time, sweetheart. I mean, I'm I'm not wrong,
2: am I, Ari? No, that's a lot of games in prime time. Like Peyton Manning days with the Colts that's what you'd expect uh it's been a while since the Colts were a primetime draw but clearly uh there's high hopes in terms of the right it,
0: it, it, you you've got uh, uh Jonathan Taylor and you've got uh Matt Ryan you, you got an opportunity for some serious offense and you already have a solid defense so week one at Houston week two at Jacksonville so we can just get those two losses out of the way
2: that's not well no Jacksonville's
0: you could you could be Jacksonville they could beat Houston. What are you talking about? It's just it's just, you know, talking about uh whether or not they will oh, based on They've never won
2: week one in like since nineteen fifty eight, I think. So yeah. Is that right?
0: It's been a while since they won week one. So week two at Jacksonville. Week three, the home opener, September twenty fifth against Kansas City.
2: That crowd's gonna be on fire, dude. That's gonna be a wild game.
0: Yeah, but there's gonna be way too much red in that crowd
2: yeah, but it'll be mostly Colts, man.
0: Ah, uh, well, it did, uh, it, it better be 70, 30. It better be. And then, uh, week four, they stay at home against Tennessee week five. They travel out to Denver for Thursday night football and play the Broncos. Then it's back for week six. So they get a little extra break, uh, before, uh, they take on Jacksonville at home. And then week seven at Tennessee week eight, October 30th, the D.C. commies, I'm sorry, the Washington Commanders, they come to town. Carson Wentz led Washington Commanders, where I believe he will get a fine round of of, uh, sporting applause. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) That's my take. Now, the next two games are a bunch of hot garbage, and the NFL sucks it. This is brutal scheduling. Week 9... 1 p.m. game, New England. Week 10, 4 p.m. game, Las Vegas. Come on. What's wrong with that? I just think it's a lot of travel in two different directions and, and everything else. Luckily, it's the same time zone for them to the New England game. It's just, that it seems like a lot of travel. Ah, To then get, send them to Las Vegas, you know?
2: You get a week off. You can travel on a plane after a week.
0: They don't get a week off. They, they're, it's not like they're not, you know, in 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 practice. I mean, tra- tra- a week off travel. But I gotta assume Las Vegas was a better trip than than Oakland.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, right? probably. Well, I don't know. They're, you think the team has rules about like curfews and what you can do in Vegas?
0: Oh, I think they have extra curfews yeah, so maybe, about what you can do in Vegas. Maybe it's
2: not that fun after all.
0: Right and then, they're back home uh, for Philadelphia. Then week twelve, Monday night football against the Steelers at home. That game is going to be nuts. That's going to be the biggest party of the entire calendar.
2: Yeah, I don't know if the Steelers are going to be any good this year, but ah, uh, uh,
0: just the idea of it—Monday yeah. night football at Lucas Oil. Woo! It's going to be great. Dun, dun,
2: dun, 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 dun.
0: And then, uh, and then uh, that following Sunday, Sunday night football at Dallas. Wow, America's team. Yeah, right? Uh, So they say. Week 14 is their bye week, which also sucks. Why? Because it's late in the season. They could use Uh, it a couple games earlier.
2: I'd rather have an early
0: bye. Um, And then uh, they play uh, at Minnesota. And I'm not even sure of the date yet. Right? It'll be a Saturday or Sunday game. Uh, And then Monday Night Football at home. That's two Monday Night Football games from Indy. That's the part that makes it so incredible. Yeah, that's like, big time. Like, that's telling you something about how the city is seen sports-wise and how easy it is to operate in the city, especially, you know, what they do with the draft here. They, they've, just, they've proven it. Two point. Monday night games of the schedule mm-hmm. in Indy uh, up against the Chargers. This is the day after Christmas. That game's going to be great, too. Yeah. And then they're in uh, New York uh, uh, week 17, I think against the Giants it is, and then it'll be the 7th or the 8th. Uh, versus uh, the Texans at home, and that's and that's the the uh, the season. I think that's tough, man.
2: It's a light. It's an easier schedule to end the year, which you want if you're trying to make the playoffs and trying to get good seating.
0: It was. Uh,
2: does anybody think this isn't a playoff-contending team this year? Well, if you're fighting for a two seed and you need to win to get into the two seed, looking at the Giants and the Texans, you're you're not too mad about that. Oh, for your last
0: seeding two. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant for uh for for the draft. Okay, now now no, I get you. I'm with you, producer Ari. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.